Being at Work listeners. Welcome back to another episode. This is your host, Andrea Butcher. And gosh, I really enjoyed this episode of Being at Work. When I met up for coffee recently with today's guest, we both got emotional as he talked about a leader and a mentor in his career that was pivotal for him. And you'll hear why from his story. I knew immediately that I wanted to highlight this leader and his learnings. Scott Brand is an executive vice president at Subaru of Indiana Automotive. What you really need to know about Scott is the attitude he leads with around adding value. He asks himself every single day, what is one thing I can do to improve today? Listen in as we talk about accomplishing through others, communicating directly, and there's something really key that Scott highlights around not cowering to a direct or intense personality. Pay attention to that. It's really, really good leadership lesson. And of course, we're also going to highlight those lessons learned from his mentor. I grew up son of an engineer, always interested in cars, and went to Purdue, got a degree in mechanical engineering technology, and really didn't know I would end up in the automotive industry. And in the 1980s, Subaru and Isuzu decided that they wanted to come to the United States and manufacture cars, so they chose Lafayette, Indiana. They invested, built the plant, and then they started to uh, advertise for a variety of positions. And I actually came into the plant working in a production control position, not even in a technical role. Started here not really knowing what the job entailed, what the work would be about. And 35 years later, I'm still here and have uh, had many different opportunities to grow with the company and to expand my knowledge and contribute in various roles in quality control, production control, manufacturing, administrative, HR, a variety of places. Yeah, really everything across the plant. And I imagine the changes and the evolution that you've experienced over that time must be incredible. It's been fascinating to be a part of, starting off with two parent companies who had similar cultures, but different products and different methodologies to unifying to one company in the early 2000s and then doing a variety of contract manufacturing activities mm -hmm. over the years, including Toyota for about 10 years, uh, has really helped us expand our capabilities and learn from a variety of different sources. Yeah, I imagine just all of the learning that you've had across that time and all of the people that you've had an opportunity to connect with and learn from as well. There's been a, a multitude of different personalities, a lot of different styles. And having been in the industry for as long as I have, I've been exposed to folks that were mentored or developed their style in the maybe a little bit more traditional automotive industry from the 1960s and 70s to people that have been become much more progressive uh, in the 90s and the 2000s. So I've been able to see that kind of evolve over time. Yeah, the culture shift. I mean, I imagine the culture that you're leading today probably feels very different than the culture that you came into. Oh, immensely different. Yeah. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, it was a very subservient culture. And the boss was right every time you did what you were asked. You didn't question it. And those that did that quickly and effectively typically got recognition. Um, whether, whether they uh, you know agreed with the direction or not, they got it done and then they got recognition. Yeah. But there's also been, through your years of experience, there have been some, I would say, timeless leadership lessons. The story that you're going to tell us today, I mean, it was early in your career, but it's so applicable today. I always find that interesting. Like, there are these timeless 
leadership attributes. There's things that change and evolve, but then there are some things that, gosh, are just so fundamental. Yep. And in the situation you're referring to, it was very early in my career here at uh, SIA. Probably within the first two months I worked here, I was exposed to a leader in another department. And working in my area, I was responsible for providing parts and satisfying the materials that were needed for a pilot event that was going on ahead of the start of production of our uh, vehicles. And um, having not worked in automotive before, I really wasn't exposed to this style and uh, this level of energy that my mentor brought to the table. Um, and the very first meeting that I sat in, I was not prepared. I was clearly unprepared. I didn't have the information that he needed and uh, didn't satisfy his expectations. And uh, he wasted no time at all letting me know that and making sure that the expectation was clear and that tomorrow when we meet, you'll come to the meeting in a little more prepared fashion. Now, my reaction to that was I was a little shocked at how aggressively he had treated me, but he was clear what the expectation was. He was clear what I needed to do and set that in motion in my mind. And I came to the meeting the next day very prepared, actually exceeded his expectations because I could clearly see that he was not a person that was going to accept mediocrity or incomplete work. And his aggressiveness could have been easily misinterpreted by me as just a coarse individual, a difficult individual that liked to push people around, when in fact, he saw the value in his clear direction and aggressive delivery of that direction as being beneficial to me in developing my skills in my job. He wanted to make sure you knew. Did he have that kind of a reputation? Like, did you know that about him? Clearly. And, and many people did not favor that reputation. They thought that his aggressive style was overbearing and unpleasant. So continue the story. Like the next day, like how did you show up? How did you respond to his feedback? What was great about it was that the next day I came prepared and I had the material that I needed. And I'm not sure that he was prepared for me to do that. I think he was kind yeah. of expecting that we're going to find out if this kid really knows what I expect of him or if he's going to test me and just bring part of the information or an incomplete answer. And when my answer was complete and I displayed that I understood, that started a very long mentorship with this individual because mm -hmm. he knew I was listening, he knew that I was paying attention, and that I valued his input. So using that connection, we started down a path of working very closely together. Yeah, so this is the part of the story that I really, really want to dive into. And I know you've got more stories about Jack that you can share. And I said this in the intro, but when you were first telling me about him, like you got emotional. I mean, this is someone you worked with for a long time and really, really cared about. So we'll get there. But I want to pause on your response to his aggressiveness. So he was really clear, like, Scott, this is what I expect of you. But he delivered that in a pretty aggressive way. You've told mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. But you didn't cower to that. You didn't, like, walk around and talk about, like, well, God, he's an asshole. Like, I don't want to work with him. Or you simply did what he asked you to do. That's exactly right. And the impact of that. And I think about how many times I have, because he came with a lot of intensity. And there are a lot of people in the workplace that have an intensity about them. And what ends up happening a lot of the time is people cower to that intensity. But you didn't. What's the secret there? Like, why didn't you? And what's the leadership lesson we can take from that? 
I think there's a couple things. I think one is that he was in a influential position. He had been chosen to do that job because of his skills and his ability. And as a young professional, I was looking at him and saying, okay, well, he's in that chair for a reason. And if his style or his approach is what is necessary to be considered for that type of a position, I need to take note of that. I need to look Mm -hmm. at that and say, well, here's a guy that's successful. Here's a guy that's regarded as capable and able to deliver. So I'm probably going to need to emulate some of those behaviors at some point in my career. But at the same time, he was giving me direct instruction on a deficiency that I displayed. And my personal goal was to listen to whatever anybody said to say, you know what, if he's given me guidance and a course correction because I'm not doing something correctly, best thing I can do for my career and my personal development is listen to it, not focus on the delivery, but focus on the content. So what's the underlying skill or competency that you had? Is it self-awareness? Is it resilience? What was it that caused you to lean in and do it versus complain? For me, there was a degree of self-awareness. I'm sure that at that moment in time, I'm thinking, this is where this individual in a matter of 30 minutes in a meeting is able to see that I'm capable of something that I may not display on my own without a little bit of a kick in the backside. And I needed to take that cue and go with it. And I did. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. And you did. Yeah. And his, I remember when, when you were telling me about his response, he was like, really, he's kind of surprised. Like, wow, this kid showed up. Yep. And it felt good. I walked out of that meeting feeling like, okay, I think this is going to be okay. You know, the day before I wasn't so sure, but that second day I felt like, yeah, I think we'll be able to make this work. Well, which does say something about his character. He didn't count you out. He gave you an opportunity to come back and to be prepared. I mean, he told you what he needed. And and the, the other thing about the story that I appreciate is the importance of clarity. He was really clear. So he set you up for success because he told you, this is exactly what I need from you. He completely did. He took all of the details and said, this is deficient. This isn't enough. This is incomplete. Just listed that stuff off and said, look, here's what I expect from you tomorrow. And and I was able to bring that plus and was exactly what he was looking for. That's exactly what he was looking for. So tell us then about how the relationship evolved as a result of this. I mean, you said this really set up the relationship. And (laughs) from that point on, he was such an important mentor for you. Well, I think in the immediate time frame after that, our relationship still evolved. I was just a very low-level individual in a professional role. He was much more influential in the plant, but I sought out the opportunities to show him that I was working on his behalf. I wanted to make sure he knew that I was doing things that were going to benefit not only the organization, but you know his initiatives and goals as well. And it wasn't purely for the sake of getting brownie points. It was to prove to him that my work product was delivering for the organization. And when I had the opportunities, I would discuss those things with him. And he really embraced the opportunity to have those conversations and would impart or share with me some of his experiences and some of his past trials and tribulations in his career. And that was hugely valuable to me because as a mentor, I saw him as a source of fact in not only 
the process of building cars, but in the industry in general. And some of his experiences were not favorable, and he had gone through a lot of hardship and a lot of really negative circumstances on his path to development. And those were opportunities for me to learn from his experiences without having gone through those experiences. You know, I hung on practically every word he said. I was able to take a lot of those experiences that he had and actually use them for my benefit, even though I didn't experience them. Well, it's such a good lesson in leading up. I so appreciate your attitude of, I was working on his behalf, wanting to ensure that your work product was adding value for him to the organization. And that's the key. I don't hear any ego. I don't hear any, like, you wanting to get ahead in that. It was all about adding value for you. You know, and the interesting thing about him was that I'm not alone in my opinion of him. There are literally dozens, if not hundreds of people that worked with him in this factory that feel exactly like I do in Mm -hmm. terms of how we appreciated him, how we were grateful for the way he took care of us or treated us. You know, it wasn't always pleasant. It wasn't always rainbows and lollipops, as one of the guys here at the plant says. But we knew that he was operating on our behalf and the Mm -hmm. company's behalf. And um, if we did what we were asked and did it well, you know, we'd have a good outcome. Yeah, if we did what we were asked, if we added value, talk a little bit more about that attitude of adding value. Sounds like this relationship with Jack really helped to, gosh, instill that in you. You are someone who every day thinks about adding value. And I know there's a question that you ask yourself every single day. I ask myself the question, you know, when I come to work every day, I need to know that when I leave in the evening that I've made at least one thing better throughout the day. And sometimes you have to ask yourself that because some days are so challenging that you may not feel like you improved anything. And some of the things you improve might be pretty trivial. You know, they might be moving your stapler from the left side to the right side of your desk so it's a little quicker to get to, but it's still an improvement. And that improvement will pay a dividend tomorrow or the next day or the next. And if you come to work every day and say, I want to make incremental improvement, even though the increments are really small, okay, that does add up over time gives you a sense of accomplishment, and generally just takes you in a positive direction. It's the small wins is what I hear in that, which build momentum and get you on a roll, don't they? Well, and I've always said confidence begets confidence. You know, success begets success. And if you have small wins, you know, that energizes you to take on something a little bit larger the next day. And then next thing you know, the improvements or the changes that you've got are consequential. So you get the combination of the small incremental stuff, and then occasionally you get those larger items as well. Yeah, and it it all adds up. It also provides such positive focus. If I'm looking for things to improve, naturally, that's where my focus is. So I'm not going to be complaining or seeing the negative or challenge. I mean, there's, there's such good focus in that. Where can I add value? It's so proactive. Well, and I've encouraged leaders in our organization for years to define that positive. And if you look for it, it's there. Okay. If you don't even commit the time to looking for it, it's really easy to ignore. The eyes will see what the brain believes. If you believe there are good things, then you're probably going to see them. I completely agree. That's so good. You know, I want to go back to specifically some things about Jack. When you were first telling me about him, you got emotional. And I love it. I love it when I can make a man cry in telling a story. (laughs) 
I didn't cry. I may have, you know, a little tear in my eye. Come on. God, you were emotional, which I so appreciated. And I, I'd love for you to just talk about, like, where that emotion comes from. Well, you know, in any business, personal situation, you, you have a bond with somebody. In this case, this individual made the effort to take somebody he saw that had potential, but zero experience and zero knowledge, and to give them the benefit of the doubt from day one and show them the way things needed to go. And if they came on the journey with him, if they stayed with him and listened to him, he would continue to teach him. And I enjoyed that every day. And there were, there were days where the lesson was pretty tough. The message was you know, not always favorable, but it was all development and it was all preparation. And I wouldn't be in this spot if it wasn't for that gap. It sounds like he did a really good job of getting results through his team. I mean, he had to. But what specifically did you see him doing, Scott, to get results through others? What did you learn from that experience? He did a couple of things. One, he was very good at making expectations clear with everybody, similar to what he had done with me early in my career. And the demand was clear, okay? But there were many occasions where the achievement or the completion of the expectation didn't quite measure up. And rather than criticize and belittle and complain to an overwhelming level, he showed a degree of compassion and understanding. And when he did that, people instantly felt more compelled to do a better job next time. His ability to say, you know, guys, I really thought we could do a little better than we did. But I understand everybody did their best, and we're going to work harder next time to do a little bit better. And because he provided that, that critical feedback, yet understanding, everybody was motivated. It's the balance of accountability and empathy, isn't it? I mean, that's what I hear in that. Very much so. He was a lot more empathetic than I think some people gave him credit for. You could tell he really cared about people. He did. The way in which he worked with you is a good example of that. Yep. And that those things coexist, you know, that accountability and compassion go hand in hand. And I mean, that's the really the value that he brought. Without that combination and the balance between those two things, you really never maximize the potential. You can get plenty out of one or the other, but you'll never get the maximum. You got it. I mean, that, so he struck that balance well. He did. It's interesting because you talked about he was such a direct communicator and so again, combining the compassion and the understanding with his level of directness was so valuable. And in turn, you were direct to him. You were clear with him. I think I told you a story when we were meeting before that there was something that he was upset about. We had a part issue or something, and he was giving me some pretty clear instruction that you're going to get this resolved. And you're going to do it by this time. And, you know, don't come back and talk to me unless you've got it figured out. And I said, I can't do that, Jack. That's not going to happen. And he basically stopped in his tracks and he stood there and he looked at me and he goes, what do you mean? And I said, Jack, let me explain to you why that isn't going to happen. It's not because of desire or intent. It's like there's some physical things that cannot happen to meet the, your expectation. I said, but here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to resolve the issue and provide you what you want a little bit later than you expected. You can trust me. I'll make this happen. And at that point, he said, okay, because what he heard me say was, I'm not making an excuse. I'm not trying to resist your instruction. I'm giving you a fact-based answer 
that's going to give you facts that you can use then and plan around and, and move on. And you had a compelling why. Let me explain to you why that isn't going to happen. It wasn't because you didn't want to. It wasn't because you didn't feel like it. But again, it's another really good example of not cowering to intensity. Because someone who's, someone who's feeling a bit afraid or is operating out of ego might just ignore it and be like, okay, I'm going to try my best, but then not meet the expectation, making it worse. It happens all the time. And it garners your response to him is such a respectable one. Because what's he going to say to that? It's the truth. It's honest. It's like, here's what I can do. So, of course, he's going to respond well to that. Yeah, and I think we had established enough of a relationship. He trusted what I was going to tell him. He knew that I would not give him anything but my best effort. And that if I was telling him I wasn't going to meet his expectation, there's probably a pretty good reason why. And he would accept that. It's a good point. Yeah, you had built a level of credibility with him. You were very believable. You were in a good position to say, no, I can't do that, and here's why. And I worked very hard to sustain that throughout our relationship. I never, ever wanted to deliver anything to him that wasn't factual or my best effort. Yeah, that's so good. So having the confidence to be honest about what you can and can't do, even in the midst of challenge and intensity, direct appreciates direct every time. This is so good. I I have two whole pages of notes. <laughs> so many good leadership lessons in your story. If you could go, you said 35 years you've been working there. If you could go back now and give yourself any piece of advice or guidance, what would it be? The first thing would just reinforce one of the things that I deployed when I first started working here, which was be useful. I'm going to give you a great example. The first week I worked here, my boss was in Japan, and I didn't have any direct instruction on what to do. So myself and another staff member had started on the same day, and we sat in the office, and we were kind of like, well, what are we going to do? And we didn't know because the boss was away in Japan, and they really hadn't given us any instruction. And about halfway through that day, somebody came up from the factory and said, hey, you the new guys that are going to work in the staff? And we said, yeah. And he said, you want something to do? We're unloading trucks on the dock. And they just got some shipments of material in for some trials that we were going to run later that month. And they said, why don't you come on down and help us out on the dock? So we were wearing, you know, shirt and tie back at that time. And we're like, okay, well, let's take our ties off and head down to the dock, see what we can do. I ended up spending the remainder of the week down there in the dock because there was no other instruction. And turned out to be pretty useful. And the relationship that I established with the guys on the dock from that very first day that I worked for the company some of those guys still work here, and I still have a relationship from that first day. So that willingness to be useful. You know, I hired in to be a professional, but I was not averse to going down and putting on a pair of gloves and unloading some crates off of a truck and help sort them out and familiarize myself with the work we were doing. And that practice is still valuable today. Be useful. If you do that every day or if you have the intention to do that, you'll always be learning and you'll always be providing value to either yourself or someone else. Well, and it's so consistent with your attitude of just adding value. I mean, looking around to see what needs to be done, there is always something to improve. There is always something to do. If you're open to it, if you're looking for it, and not expecting to be told, but looking around to see how can I serve here. Looking back 35 years, 
I probably would have been a little bit more active in expanding my level of awareness of other aspects of the business. My focus was pretty narrow for that first several years, and I would have liked to have become a little more aware of other aspects of the business if I'd had those opportunities, just for general knowledge and you know how all the moving parts go together in a really complex operation. Yeah. Well, and building relationships. I mean, I think one way to do that is just build relationships with people in other parts of the business. It doesn't have to be anything formal, but ask questions about what are you doing and what are you all focused on right now? And what are your challenges? It's interesting. You know, 25 years in, there were many aspects of this business that I thought, man, it's pretty basic, pretty understandable that I had very little knowledge of and continue to learn about as I, I developed in my career. Okay. Be useful. I love it. That may be the title of this podcast. It really sums up all of it. It really does. It's a good mantra for you. So I'm not surprised that that would be the piece of advice that you would give yourself because you're demonstrating that every day. Scott, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for telling your story. Thank you for highlighting Jack's story. No doubt he's had such an ever-expanding influence on so many leaders. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I get the opportunity to, to share some of that because... Some people don't have that benefit of that kind of a relationship or are never able to cultivate that type of a, a mentor relationship with somebody that means that much to them. Yeah, and it's had such a big impact on you and your career. Well, Scott, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best place to do that? Best place to find me would be on LinkedIn. All right, Scott Brand. Thank you, my friend. Okay, Andrea, great to talk to you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.